Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 12. This morning I want to talk about simple giving. <clears throat> Christmas ought to be a way of life, and I don't mean debt. I don't mean where you're going out buying everybody gifts every week of your life. You would, you would be insane to do that. But the attitude of giving that goes along with Christmas, or at least it should, ought to be a way of life. Luke chapter 12 Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. I am bursting at the seams. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that the, the, the dream of most everybody on the planet? I'm on, right? Are we okay? I see nodding from Barry, and I don't know what he means anyway. Isn't that the dream, everybody, to be able to retire at, at 45, to be able to be able to say everything has been a success, to be able to sit back and just eat and drink and be merry, no more worries, verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool. You know, he seems to have the ability to just interrupt our plans. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? It's a great question. What's going to happen to all of that money, all of those possessions, everything that you accomplished, who's going to get it? In 1923, nine of the most powerful men in the world of finance met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Charles Schwab, the president of the largest independent steel company, met with Sam Insel, Samuel Insel, the president of the largest utility company. Howard uh, Hodson, the president of the largest gas company, along with Arthur Critton, the greatest wealth speculator, wheat speculator, sorry. Uh, Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Albert uh, Fall, the member, a member of the president's cabinet. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bear on Wall Street, he was known as. Leon uh, uh, Fraser the head of the world's greatest monopoly of that day, as well as Ivor Kruger, the president of the International Settlements Company. All of these wealthiest men's of the, men of the day, the power brokers, got together, and they were planning what they called a new world order. They seem to always be trying to do that. Well, let's fast forward 25 years to 1948, and let's find out what happened to those masters of money. Charles Schwab, in 25 years, died bankrupt. Samuel Insull died a fugitive from justice, penniless in a faraway country, running for his life. Howard Hodson, uh, at the end of his life, died insane. Arthur Critton died abroad and broke. Richard Whitney, at, the end, at, at, at his death, had just been released from the prison in Sing Sing. Albert Fall was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. Jesse Livermore, Leon Frazier, and Ivor Kruger all committed suicide. All nine of these power brokers died broke, miserable, and miserable. All these masters of money were finally mastered by money. Money, once somebody once said, can be a wonderful servant, but it makes a lousy master. Now, you got to understand, it is not sinful to have riches. 
But riches can be a very dangerous thing if a person doesn't have a biblical perspective towards the way we use money and the way we have money and the way we work with money. So learning how to have, be a simple giver is the greatest handbrake. It's the greatest governor of our lives. You'd be surprised at how much money and its influence determines what we do. You know, most everybody can be bought. Most everybody can be, uh, for a price, can be made to do a lot of crazy things. What's your price? What's your price? It ought to be too high for somebody to be able to pay. Amen? It ought to be so high, the only one that has any power over you is the one who bought you lock, stock, and barrel, Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to teach about simple giving. Because if you learn to give away your money, money can't control you. Father, I thank you for the challenge this morning as we get into spirit of Christmas giving, which usually means the spirit of Christmas debt and guilt buying. It means a time of, of, of depression and frustration instead of joy. We sang joy to the world, but a lot of people run from that. They've, they have not known joy at Christmas because Christmas was everything but simplicity. So, Lord, among your people this morning, I pray that we would listen and allow you to attack our God, our wallet, our purse. I pray that you would allow us to let go of our wallet and learn the simplicity of giving. Learn what it means to give and to enjoy giving. Because, Lord, it'll be the hardest thing to start to give. But wow, once we start, when it becomes a way of our life, Lord, I know that I know that I know it'll change our lives. There's not a happy person in this world who's stingy, miserly, grudge. But there is only joy in the heart of a giver, even when he has nothing to give, he'll find something. So change us, flip it on, flip everything on his head, Lord, this morning, and teach us how to give simply in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, by way of background, uh, most people, I shouldn't even have to say this, have a problem with having money and with loving it. Did you know most people in the Western world, hold on, most people in the Western world seek to be rich. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28 in your Bible. Most people, I don't care if you live on the street in Dublin or Cork, you still wish you were rich. <laughs> They're not just looking for a bit of coins in the, in the, um, uh, the cup. You know, there are a lot of those, I, 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 I don't, I don't, demean, and I don't want to demean anybody who's going through a cycle, going through a bad time in their life. But let me tell you, too many people are destitute poor, and if they get some money, they go buy a lottery ticket. Because they want to be rich. They want to have that fast cash. They think the, that money is their answer. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 20. The Bible says this, 28:20 says, a faithful man shall abound with what? All right, what's the first thing you ought to be? Faithful, trustworthy, a man or woman of integrity. Faithful man's going to abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be what? Oh, I, I, found a, I found it on the Internet. I found a way to make a million euros on Bitcoin. You're an idiot. The Bible says 
He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be what? You'll get caught. You'll get caught out. You won't be innocent. Look at verse 22. He goes on. He that hateth hasteth to be rich has what kind of an eye? Now, when it talks about an evil eye, it means how you look at people. Somebody who's thinking about making money only sees people as customers and clients, not as souls. But have an evil eye and look at people uh, uh, wrongly. They'll look at people uh, in, in, in the opposite way that they are. And he that hasteth to be rich has an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. First Timothy now. First Timothy chapter 6. Say, Pastor, leave my money out of this. No. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. But they that will be rich, they that want to be rich, they that desire and yearn to be rich, fall into what? Into temptation, and it's temptation of temptation, and a snare, a trap, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Most people in the Western world seek to be rich. Most religions are built on money. Let's go to John chapter 2. Gospel of John chapter 2. Most religions are built on money and not on truth. John chapter 2 verse 14. Jesus walks into the temple. Verse 13. The Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those that were selling what? They were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the changers of money, they were just sitting there making money hand over fist. And when he had made a scourge, what's a scourge? A whip. Say, Jesus is meek, and oh, he sure is, until he sees God's house being made a place of merchandise. He made a scourge of small cords. So this... This, he took some small cords and he made one long one there. And he drove them all out of the temple. If you've never had a whip cracked over your head, you got to realize when he started cracking that whip, men began to fly out in, 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 in fear and began to grab their money and timble, uh, tables were overthrown. What was he doing? Kicking them out. And, uh, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them, that sold doves. He said, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And yet you go from religion to religion to religion, even televangelists, even people uh, who claim to be preaching the gospel, which they're not. If there's any other gospel than what the Bible says, which is in Galatians chapter six, any other gospel than what that Bible says, which does not include prosperity. Matter of fact, if you're going to get saved, you might as well just give, be ready to give up everything. But according to the Bible, any other gospel, they are of the devil. They are a curse. They're damned. But you'll find religion after religion after religion after religion, and you'll find their temples, and you'll find their houses of worship, and you'll find everything overlaid with gold and radiating with beauty. Where's the temple of, where's the temple of God now? Right there. Right there. Your body is the temple. Most religions are built on money. You know, Jesus had to do that twice in his ministry. At the beginning of his ministry, and when he came into Jerusalem the last time, he had to throw them out again. It's a constant battle to keep religion from becoming mixed up with loving money. 
And money's not the problem. The love of it is. You say, I thought money was the root of all evil. Not according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. That's proven by how much debt we're in. You know why we're in debt? Because we love the power of money even when we don't have it. <laughs> we still live by money. Getting is our way of life. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, just before the very scripture. Go ahead and go there. Go to Luke 12, 15. I'll show you this. Luke 12, 15. Just before the parable, he spoke of the rich man. Listen to what built up to that parable. Verse 15. Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. That's, that's your desire to have what somebody else has. I can't be happy unless I have that. I was talking to the teens last night. And I asked them, how many of you have an old flip phone? How many have an old-style flip phone that doesn't have a smart screen? It doesn't do internet. How many have that? And not one of them. I said, how many have a smartphone? Every hand went up. I said, if one of you had an old flip phone and you had to use that, you'd be embarrassed, you'd be ashamed, you'd be dying. You couldn't be a teenager and still have an old-style phone. That's covetousness. Well, you have to have something to be like everybody else. And we're all like that. It's not just a teenage problem. People have a problem with having money and loving money. Look at verse 15. He says this. He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. He who has the most toys is not the happiest. You've seen it on your kids on Christmas morning. I mean, some of the most... You think, you think, once all the presents are open, everybody be happy, and all hell breaks loose in your house. You say, what happened? Things don't make life. Possessions don't make a home. Christianity is supposed to be all about giving. Go to Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Mark chapter 10. This is all the background. You're just going to hold on to your hat for a few minutes. Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Mark 10, 17. When he had gone forth into the way, there came one running. Boy, this guy comes running up to Jesus. And he kneeled to him and he asked him, Good master, ooh, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And thou knowest what he said, thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not and honor thy father and thy mother. Oh, he must have been sweating, and he just, he wiped the sweat off his brow, and he said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. I've done all that. What do I lack? Verse 21, and Jesus, beholding him, loved him. <clears throat> uh, when you go to... I know, I know. I don't think that's fixable. Um, if I move over here, maybe. <clears throat> oh, I'm going to move the tree. <laughs> Keep going with me. Um, verse 20, he says, And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. 
Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast. He's a rich man, remember? And give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, take up thy cross, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved. Why? Because he had many possessions. And I found this. I don't care if you have 50 or five things. It's hard to give away any of them. <clears throat> but did you know Christianity is all about giving? It's not about getting. Christianity is about giving. Go to Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Luke 6, 38. Getting is our way of life today, but Christianity is all about giving. And I mean giving, giving, giving. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Christianity is all about giving. Secondly, giving, the principle of giving is one of the most important principles found in Scripture. And it is the outworking of our love for Christ. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about money. It would surprise you how little Christians know what the Bible says about money. It probably even surprised you to discover just how beneficial God's ways and how much better God's ways are than the world's ways. Than all of the financial planning and all of the financial markets. By the way, do you hear about all of the, um, um, uh, the, uh, the countries like... Um, I was going to say Venezuela, but it's not. Where was Chavez? Where, where is, uh, what went broke there just in the last year? Argentina. Argentina is a demonstration that, that all the best laid plans of the smartest minds in the world don't work. Uh, socialism does not fix financial problems. It puts them off into the future until everything crashes. Everybody blames capitalism. Everybody blames everything. Let me tell you, all of the best plans and, and studies, business, um, um, uh, uh, business courses at universities can't compete and can't better what God has written in the Bible and made it simple. Money and what we do with it is, is talked about throughout the Bible. It's one of the most important subjects for any, any Christian to get a hold of because money will either, the, money doesn't make you, by the way, and the lack of money doesn't break you, but money can ruin you. Money can ruin you. Don't say all the time. There's some good people in the Bible had money. How about a guy named Joseph of Arimathea? He was a rich man. How about the woman who came with an alabaster box of, of, of perfume? That was hers. She had saved up for it. She had bought that with her own money. She was, in, in people's eyes, she was a wealthy woman. It wasn't wrong to be wealthy. It was wrong that that wealth would control now, why is giving the most important principle, a very important principle? Because it is part of God's nature to give. Amen? I mean, aren't you glad God gives? I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, we'd be dead if it weren't for God giving us sunlight and giving us life and breath. But did you know giving is part of nature itself? God created, created everything to be givers. The sun and the moon and the stars were created to give their light. Apple trees were created to give apples. Can you imagine? You went up to an apple tree and you grabbed it and it held onto it. You know, apple trees were created to give. Clouds were designed to give rain. Families were designed by God to give to the next generation. 
Amen. It's amazing how stingy the human heart is, though. Giving is also, thirdly, part of God's plan for meeting our needs as well as the needs of the people around us. He meets financial needs. You would think that getting money is how God designed for us to manage our needs. All I need is some more money. No, let me tell you this. If you think all you need is more money, and there, there's not a one of us who doesn't think that. Come on, nod your head. But if you think that what you need is to get more money, then you get it backwards. God has designed giving money away to be the answer to your needs. You say, why is that? Because God always does things opposite than what our heart wants to do. So when a person learns, learns to give, they're demonstrating three things. They're demonstrating trust. They're demonstrating a basic faith in God. Go to Romans chapter 11. <clears throat> Romans chapter 11. In verse 36. This is a deep verse, but you ponder it for a while, it'll hit you. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. It comes from God. Everything had to go through God to get to you, and then it goes back to him. Everything that you need comes from his hand and is for him. That's a basic principle of do you trust that he knows what he's doing? Uh, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need. Why could, why could Paul say his God? Because he could say, I've got experience. I can tell you the God that I know and I love and I follow will supply your need according to all his riches in glory. When a person learns to give scripturally, it, it shows a determination to live by scripture. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto all thine education. All the seminars, all the YouTubes. Blah. You know, you can, you can type in how to tie my shoes on, on YouTube, and it'll give a YouTube on how to tie your laces. Is that weird or what? How do I make a million years? It's all in there, and that won't help you for 30 seconds. You know what'll help you? What you're reading right here. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now, I'm not asking you to be stupid. But it says here, uh, um, and lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him. That means obey him. And he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't be so proud of yourself. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Stay away from sin. It shall be health first to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You know why most people die at 55 years old? Because all they've done is live for money, and the stress has killed them. It'll be health to thy navel and, uh, uh, and marrow to thy bones. So honor the Lord with thy things, with your substance, and with the first fruits of all your increase. That's your tithing. That's your money. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God knows how to, how to get you out of, out of disaster 
to blessing. Now, I don't mean he's gonna, you're going to walk away and you're going to be one of the 20 wealthiest people in the world. That's not what he's talking about. But when you learn to give, you're determining, I'm going to live by God's word and I'll leave everything else to God. I've determined. And thirdly, it shows that you have a desire to send the gospel. <clears throat> when you learn to give, you're not giving just to, to, uh, uh, to, the, to you know, all these different charities and everything. You're actually, your giving turns into, you know what's the most important thing? Getting the gospel out. Starting churches. Over and over. Paul says, I have uh, uh, planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. What was he talking about? I was starting churches. I was preaching. I was working with other people. And you know what? People ministered to, to Paul and took care of him so that he could start churches, so that he could preach the gospel for free. How many of you know I don't get a salary? How many of you know I don't get a salary? I'm here because some people over in America faithfully, sacrificially give. How many of you know Dan doesn't get a salary? We're here. Put your hand down. Go to the corner, will you? <laughs> I have to recover now. I'm like, I need a safe space. I'm sorry. Anyway, how many of you realize that some of us do what we do for free, just like you do? But somebody's got to pay the bills. Somebody's got to make sure we can stay here. And there are people who give sacrificially so I can be here. So Dan can be here. So Andrew and, and Jennifer can be here. Do you understand? And you know, when you start to, to give, you'll start to say, where's the best place for me to invest my money? You know the best place to invest your money? In souls. In eternity. Amen. You understand? Say, well, I want to, I'm, pastor, should I invest in Bitcoin? Don't ask me. Should I invest in gold? Gold is going up. Should I invest in silver? Don't ask me. You want to invest in souls? Let's invest in our missionaries. Let's invest in some more tracks. Let's invest in some more uh, uh, advertisements on, in, in the Echo that put the gospel in there. Let's, let's invest in preaching. Let's invest in things that get people saved. Amen? You see, when you learn to give, like the Bible says, you'll have a desire to put your money where it counts. Amen? You say, well, I don't get anything back on it. You have no idea. When you get to heaven and your mansion is empty, not a stick of furniture, you'll go, I wish I had sent up some treasures. You're going to be sleeping on the floor in your mansion? Not me. I intend to send up as much as I can. So when I get up there, I go, I don't deserve one stick of this. But I worked hard to please the Lord so that there's something there that shows I live for him. Amen. I can't earn my salvation. I can't merit his forgiveness. But you know what? I can serve him. You know what he says? You do anything for me. You give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, I'll make sure you get a reward for it. That blows me away. That's how I want to live. So how should we give today? How do we give? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, two verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. <clears throat> Paul outlined just some very important principles concerning New Testament giving. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians here. Starting this in, in, in chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. We're going to start here, and then we'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, 
as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon what day of the week? Not the Sabbath, not on Thursday, Friday, but on the first day, on Sunday, on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Four thoughts. If you're going to give simply, you need to do it in obedience to the Word of God. End of story. Uh, a lot of people will do it for the benefit. We just read there, it says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. You read that? Give and it shall be given unto you. Is that in the Bible? Amen. But you know, if you give to get, it'll never work. Because you'll always be trying to say, you know, Lord, you owe me. Or, Lord, I did this. And how about that? And it won't work. We do it because God said do it. Amen. Go to Exodus chapter 25. Hold your place here. Well, you can come back. I've got a few scriptures to take you to. Go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. In verse 2. I like this. You know how I can tell, Brother Dan, if people have their heart right? They're amening when I'm preaching on money. You know how few are saying amen? <laughs> I want to hear a whole lot more amens now, amen, right? Exodus chapter 25, verse 2, speaking to the children of Israel. Might as well just say, speaking to the people of Valencholic, that they bring me an offering of every, of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offerings. It's in the Old Testament that we should give, amen? It's in the Old Testament. Let's go to Acts chapter 20 now. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's in the New Testament. Acts 20, 35. I have showed you all things, Paul says. Acts 20, 35. How that's so laboring, that's working during the week. Are you with me? I have showed you all things that how that soul laboring, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So New Testament, Old Testament, everywhere, we do it because God said do it. Amen. And it started with tithing. Uh, it started with tithing. I gave you that. I said, no, I had that. Before, before Christ came, giving was regulated by the standard of tithing. You hadn't given until you tithe. The same is true when you go to the super value, you go to Tesco, pile up your cart, walk up to the register, and throw a tenner at them. As you walk on out, they will, they will surround you, and they will take you before a judge because you're stealing. If you bought 100 euros worth of, pe of, uh, uh, of groceries, what do you owe at the till? A hundred euros. So, our measure of giving in the Old Testament was defined by tithing. You didn't give until you paid what you owed. It was just 10%. You say, that's a lot of money. How much is Leo Varadkar asking for? How much do you pay from the time you're born until you die to a government that just gives it away to people? Besides yourself, God says, tithe. 
Tithe is a 10% of our income. By the way, it's like a tax in that it's supposed to come out whether we like it or not. It's supposed to come out of our overall income, not what we have left over, by the way. Can you imagine, can you imagine if you really believe that God only wants you to give him the leftovers? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that after you have bought your new TV and your new X, uh, iPhone X or 10 or whatever it is, after you bought, you know, I found this out and this really upsets me because I have to look at myself and I go, that's true in my life too. Christmas, you know what we do? We don't think about giving. We think about what am I going to get? And I discovered that 50% of all Christmas spending is on ourselves. And then we say, all right, Lord, now you're asking for my money too. Of course he can't compete when you're God. Amen. So when it comes to giving and we start to look at how much we have left over, there's not going to be anything left over for God. So God said we start with the tithe. That's how we establish what matters to you most. And I, what matters to me is to be obedient, to be faithful. To do, Lord, if you say to do it, I do it. You know, there are three purposes for the tithe. Um, first one was to support all the Levites who served as priests. It was also to support the temple and all the feast days. and also included supporting the poor. That all, every time they gave it at the temple or when they gave to the storehouse, uh, locally it was taking care of lots of different things. So the government didn't have to do it. Government was supposed to take care of armies, supposed to take care of 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 uh, customs and, 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 and um, uh, things being brought into the country and things being sold. But it's not supposed to be taken over your finances. You know who owns your finances? God. It's funny how we swap out gods and we made the government now in charge. But beyond tithing, there were, there were uh, free will offerings too, lots of them. You know, when they built the temple, the, the tabernacle, when they came out of Egypt, and, and God said, you know, I need you to know that I'm with you, so I want you to build a big tent. Call it the tabernacle. It just means tent. And when we build that tabernacle, I want you to put the Holy of Holies in there. And I want to put you the ark in there. And I want you to put on top of it two angels. And, they, and, 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 and in between them, I will dwell. And all of that thing, and, and Moses was asked, go ask the people, would they like to give toward building that tabernacle? And the people went bonkers. People started giving, and Moses had to go out there and say, Stop! We have more than enough. Wouldn't that be a great Sunday? <laughs> the box is full! <laughs> but Moses said, Wow, look at God's people give. There's another time when they took up an offering, and it was for when they built the temple. Now, David already saved up a fortune, and Solomon gave out of all of that wealth, but the people gave and gave because it was for God. You know, there are opportunities to do things just because you want to. Aren't you glad? If you only did what you had to do, you'd be a miserable person. Amen? You imagine a wife. I look at, at Pat. Here's Pat. And, and uh, Leo comes in, and Leo says, I'm hungry. And Pat goes, figures. Here's your dinner. What's all this about? Well, I had to make it for you. You expect it of me, don't you? And that's my role in life, isn't it? He says, I think I'm going to go eat Chinese tonight. <laughs> if you're doing it out of duty, it kills, amen? 
Now, I do it because it's right to do, but I do it because it's right, and it's what I want to do. It's because he's worthy. I give. Now, <clears throat> they brought it into the storehouse. Matthew, uh, Malachi chapter 3, we won't even have time to go in there, but Malachi chapter 3 says, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse. You know what a lot of people do? They send their money off to, uh, uh, to all these places that you've never been to. You know, there was a time where Benny Hinn was caught out, and if you watch Benny Hinn, shame on you. The only reason why you ought to watch him was to have a good laugh. Benny Hinn was caught and he was exposed for getting money, getting people to give money for an orphanage over somewhere in Africa, I forget. And so one of the news agencies went out to that orphanage. You know what that orphanage was doing every week? Was putting up a big sign, thank you, Benny Hinn, for the, for the love and for the gifts and for taking care of us. And the next week they put up another sign, thank you so-and-so for, for giving this. And not one penny went to those orphans. And they took money and they took uh, uh, gifts and they took people's sacrificial giving. And Benny Hinn was caught out. He didn't even know where the money was going, he said. He just thought it was a good place. And a lot of you are the same. You will give money to, to organizations and to people where 80% goes to overhead and 20% goes to take care of poor. God said, have a storehouse. Have a place where you can check on it. You can say, I want to see the books. I want to know where our money's going. And I want to be in charge of where the money goes. That's why you have a local church. Now, New Testament giving is beyond tithing. Old Testament giving was out of obedience. Amen? You buy your groceries, you owe for those groceries. But if you ever at Christmas, and I do this, it's really wonderful because it's getting less and less. You have your postman come up to the door. You know what I was taught when I moved here? I was taught by you folks to be a blessing to the postman, to be a blessing to the, to the person at the, at the till. To, to, and so, I, you know, and they deliver the, the mail, and I gave them a, 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 um, a Christmas card, and there was money in it. And I said, no, don't lose that. There's something in there for you. And the smile just, I get to do that. You ought to do it too. It's, be, it's because you love. It's not because you have to. I've already paid for all the stamps. I've already paid for what I owe. But now I get to give. And it is out of love for God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren... We, you t- we do you to wit. That's just an old way of saying we're trying to get you to understand or to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty all abounded under the riches of their liberality. For their, to their power I bear record, yea, and even beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us, we would say begging us with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Still talking about the same thing he talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 of taking up a gift, uh, an offering for the, 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 the saints in Jerusalem that were going through a famine at the time, and they were begging us to take up that, take their gift for the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hope, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, and they were, they had a lot of things. They had faith, 
They had utterance, they had knowledge, they could teach, they could preach. And in, all, and, and in all diligence and in your love to us all, see that ye abound in this grace of giving also. I speak not by commandment. I'm not telling you what to do here, but I speak by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your what? I just want to see if you love other Christians. I just want to see if you love giving. Amen. Giving in the New Testament is motivated by just God's grace on us and just opportunity to be a blessing. So God gave us the example of the Macedonian Christians. Did you see that in verse 2? How in a great trial of affliction. How many of you have been afflicted lately? I mean, gone through trials, gone through. Come on, I got one. You guys are lying. Come on. Half of this, half of us have just things just come at us and we go, this is another trial. What is it? And there's the, there's the Macedonian Christians having a great trial of affliction. Great doesn't mean good. It means massive trial of affliction. And yet they had abundance of joy. Their deep, what? Poverty. Well, it still abounded under the riches of their liberality. They gave, even though they didn't have anything to give. They were rock bottom, dirt poor. I find most people consider themselves poor if they can't go out for dinner every week or if they can't afford Netflix. Amen. You know, when you give like Christ gave, it has nothing to do with being well off financially. Amen. How much, how many houses did Jesus own? How many chariots did he command? How many private jets? <laughs> Not one thing. You know, giving is not determined by your ability to give, but by your attitude to give. Amen. You know, if you have a desire to give, you'll find something to give. Amen, 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 amen. I had, um, uh, you know, Miss uh, Homer Smith. Uh, Homer Smith's wife, uh, her husband was the head of our mission board in the States, and um, she gave the testimony one time how she had no income. She said, I want to, I want to, take on a missionary. I want to financially support a missionary. God, how could I financially support a missionary? What am I going to do? But I could come up with some money. How am, I, how, am I, how am I going to take care of a missionary? So she began to pray. She said, Lord, I want to do this for you. I just, if nobody else takes God, I just want to help missionaries. Well, there's a knock at the door. One day, somebody said, I found this $20 bill outside your house. She said, I found my way. And I think Kathy's got the same desire. Every penny she found on the, and she was, so you'd find Mrs. Smith, she'd be at the shopping market, looking around on the floor, <laughs> over by the till, checking the phones. Say, what's she doing that? Her husband gave away every, he was, a, he was the greatest giver I think I've ever known. He gave away every penny they had, so if she was ever going to give, she was going to have to find it, amen? And she found it. She said, if I'm going to take care of missionaries, God, you're going to have to supply money. And she found money everywhere. Now, not lots, but she was able to take care. You still do that, don't you? Amen. I'm bragging on you. Amen. Listen, let me tell you this. When you desire to give, you may not have anything. Just ask God for a way to give, and he'll give you an ability to give. Amen. You don't have to have ability. You can be in deep poverty. Just let it, let it be given. Uh, Macedonians, we're not, we're, not, we're not being forced to do this. 
He wanted to do it. As a matter of fact, they were forcing Paul to take the money. And if you've ever had somebody come up to you and they look like they needed a sandwich <laughs> and they hand you money, you say, no, 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 you need this for yourself. You'd know how Paul felt. He says, how can I take this money from somebody who can't live without it? You better take it. Not that you should take it, but that it ought be something that we are just naturally inclined. I just want to give. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. Hmm. Paul never begged the Macedonians to give. They begged Paul that they could give because they loved God. My little children, John says, 1 John 3, 18, let us not love in word. Oh, I love church. Do you tithe? Do you even give? Oh, I love our missionaries. Do you give to faith promise? Do you help them stay on the field? Let us not love in word. Neither in tongue. Oh, you can use that tongue, can't you? You won't use your wallet. It says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, in action, and in truth. Secondly, giving is for all Christians. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Giving is for all Christians. Now concerning the collection for the saints as I have given to the churches. He wasn't picking out one church at a time. He said, I talked to the churches at Galatia, and I'm telling even ye. Look at on verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, let every one of you, given for all Christians. So do it personally. No Christian is exempt from the responsibility and the privilege of giving to the Lord's work. It's not for those who find it easy. How many of you find it easy to give? Well, some of you do, but that's because you're down the road a while. You've learned it. Praise God. But you don't sit there, sit in the back row. Like, uh, uh, let's find somebody, like Dermot, you know. You're sitting back on the back row. Well, well, that's easy for them. No, no, no. Don't do it. Don't, Don't think that it's only for those who find it easy. Don't think it's only for those who can afford to give. It's for all of us. We've got to do it ourselves. The widow in the days of Christ saw all those wealthy men throwing in out of their abundance. She said, I want to get in on it too. And she reached down into that purse, down into the deepest crevices where she had not been able to reach before. She pulled out two of the smallest coins that have ever been invented, called a mite. I mean, you guys used to have a hay penny and then a farthing. This thing was like a quarter of a farthing. This thing was worthless. And she pulled out those two tiny mites, and they still have them. They still have examples of the mite. And she dropped them in there, and she walked on. Not a person paid attention to her. Not a person noticed the ding or the wrangling of the, of the coins falling into those boxes. But Jesus said, she's awesome. She gave more than they all. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't sit there and go, well, you know, Lord, when I get money, yeah, you'll never have it. You'll never have it. You're just supposed to do it. Has Has God blessed you, yes or no? God has blessed you. Say, well, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Yeah, you don't have Netflix. And you don't have... You don't have 
300 megabit internet and you don't have the, the latest cell phone, I hope. You don't have a, a Lexus. You don't have, uh, maybe you don't even own your own home. Maybe you don't even own a car. Let me tell you this, God has blessed us. As God has prospered you, you ought to give. Now, that doesn't mean that, all right, well, I get 200 euros a week. Well, I guess I'll give God 150 of it. Well, that's your business, but that's not what he's saying. Not what he's saying. As God has prospered you, give out of that, and God will be honored. You worry about what you're supposed to give, and let the other people worry about what they're supposed to give, and we'll be blessed. Do it personally. Don't you, don't you expect me to come and say, all right, Craig, how much do I give? I'm not the one in charge. You do it. Secondly, do it wholly. That's a good word. It means in every way. Don't just only give from your wallet, although you'd be glad to do everything but your wallet. <laughs> there are a number of things you could give as God has prospered you. Uh, how, about, uh, how about attendance to reading? You know what the Bible says? Give yourselves wholly to attendance to reading of the Bible. Do you give yourself, do, do you wholly get into this book? Say, so, well, I kind of I kind of sample it. No. You ought to give thanks. I hear too many, too much complaining coming out of my mouth. I bet it's coming out of yours too. You know, the Bible says there's a great sacrifice and a great offering we can give God. And that's the sacrifice of our lips, even praise unto our God. How about your time? Say, I'm busy. I'd like to see how much you're on the internet. I'd like to see how much you're on your phone. I'd like to see how much time you spend just doing stupid things that mean nothing to your kids and your family, your husband or your wife, and especially to God. And I bet you I could find some time. You say, Pastor, you ask us to come back on a Sunday night? You ask us to come back on a Wednesday night? I don't ask nothing. I tell you what God says do. And you know what? If 10% of my money belongs to God, 10% of my time belongs to God. And if you find it hard to come back on Sunday night, you need to relook at your, your time and say, no wonder God's not blessing my schedule. I'm too stressed out. I don't have any time because you've given it to the devil instead of to God. If he got first fruits of your time, you'd have more of it. It works that way. It works that way. You want to love your wife better? Love God first. You want to love your husband? I know as impossible as it is. You want to love your husband better? Love God first. You want to have more love for others? Love God first. You want to have more money? Give to God first. Now, don't take that and say, well, pastor said I can have more money if I can. <laughs> I just know you'll have more. Do it regularly. Upon the first day of the week. You know how often Sunday comes around? Every week. <laughs> now, some of you get paid once a month. I get paid once a month. It was tough at the beginning. How do you survive for a whole month? Amen. Well, first thing is you hide the checkbook from the wife. That's what, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> Some of you don't even know what a checkbook is, amen? The early church, to them, the first day of the week was all day long. They got together and they, they brought their offerings to the Lord. They made sure that this little fledging body of believers paid its bills. 
met the needs. They took care of widows. They took care of, of, of uh, abandoned children. They took care of, of needs. There were people who were thrown out of their homes because they had gotten saved. They had no work. There were real needs, and the church rose up to the challenge. And so the Christians came together and says, here, I just sold some land. Here's the money from it. Here, I just, I had this in account. I don't want to invest it anymore into the, the stock market. I want to invest it in souls. And the church on the first day of the week, every Sunday, brought their offerings. That's what we still do today. Amen. Do it regularly. Teach your children to do it regularly. Some of you forget that the, that the kids over next door, they give for the, the Harveys. Stuart Harvey and his wife, Stuart and Don Harvey. You know, if you teach them to give, they might just be givers when they get older and not like you. <clears throat> Does God take regular care of you, yes or no? Then we ought to give regularly. You're going to have to set aside money to give. Going to have to set it aside. There are loads of different ways to prepare to give. These guys, he says there in verse 2, he says, I don't want any gatherings when I come. That doesn't mean gatherings together like a, like a business meeting, but frantic gatherings like when somebody shows up and says, can I borrow some money? And you start looking through your pockets and you start turning over the couch and you start looking for change everywhere. That's frantic gatherings. And, 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 and Paul says, don't wait till Saturday night before you decide, oh, I need an offering. No, lay it aside all week long and say, this belongs to God and nobody touches it. So that on Sunday, you're ready to give. Now, a load of ways to do that, I'm going to, this is kind of cute. First way is to work for it. How many of you believe that it's okay to work a job and earn money? You're a dying breed. A wealthy, charitable man had a number of poor people whom he supported with regular financial gifts. One poor man received a gift of 50 euros each month. Rain or shine, he would come for the money, and he always got it. In time, he began to take that monthly gift for granted, as though it was an annuity for life, an entitlement. Once he came and went to the door, and the man's secretary gave him an envelope which contained only 25 euros. He opened it and said, uh, uh, you've made a mistake, the poor man said. I get 50 euros each month, not 25. I know you always got 50, the secretary replied, but you see, from now on, my employer can only give you 25. Why, the man asked. What's the reason? Well, she replied, my employer is marrying off his youngest daughter, and all the wedding expenses combined with the support that he's giving to her is so great that he has to cut down on all his charities. Well, is that so, cried the poor man, trembling with rage. Then tell your employer that if he wants to marry off his daughter in such a grand style, he should do it with his own money and not mine. Wow! And that's our generation. You try to take one penny back from these bums. And you don't like that term. I know the Irish don't like that term. But I'm talking about people who can work and don't work. And you take one penny back and they will fight. That's my money. It is not your money. That's my money. <laughs> that's your money if you work for it. I don't want to go down that path because I'll get out of Christian spirit here in a minute. I'll... Folks, let me tell you, if you want money to be able to give for missions and to make sure that we can, we can, how many of you saw that building and went in and says, I wonder if this could be a church. I wonder if we could develop it. I wonder if we could sell this thing and get something bigger. I wonder if we could dream. I wonder if we could do some great things. The only way we're going to be able to do it is if we are a giving church 
and we make sure we pay for it. Ephesians chapter 4, go to the right, find Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. I have to hurry. Ephesians 4, 28, let him that stole steal no more. Let him rather labor, working with his hands the thing that which is good, that he may have something to give to him that needeth. You know what you do? You take a, a man who's been stealing all his life, leaving, living on the dole, or going and robbing uh, the shops, and you teach him to work so that he has money to give. Do you see that thing? Do you see the most important thing you need to teach your children is to work? Their most important thing to do is not to kick a ball. Ouch. The most important thing that they do not need to learn is how to dance, how to, how to um, sing, how to play sports, or how to be smart, or how to be good looking. The most important thing you can teach your children is to not think of themselves and to think of others and to give. That's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but it is when that's all your kids learn from you. Amen? Work and earn money of your own so you can give. Greatest privilege will be when Dean can get a job and somebody hires him and works him for 80 hours. He comes into church. He's got toothpicks holding up his eyes. He says, I got my first paycheck, Pastor. And he puts that money in, and it's the money he earned, and he chose to give. Amen. That is the generation we can build a country on. Secondly, budget some money. Say, let it lay aside money and say, you know what? I've, all I've done is I've worried about the, the turkey and the chicken and the, uh, the, the, the roast. And I've worried about the food and the groceries. I've worried about how we're going to feed everybody at Christmas. I've worried about how to have more presents this year than ever before. Let me tell you this. Wrong, wrong, wrong emphasis. You need to lay aside and budget and say, you know, Lord, you're getting first dibs. You're getting the first. I'm going to budget and lay aside money. It's called the tithe. You know what Matthew 6.33 says? Seek ye first the kingdom of you, right? <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all the things you need will be supplied unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. Third, it's no big deal. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Just give. Listen, you're going to have to set it aside in the left hand. Can you imagine if your left hand argued with your right hand? What are you doing? Well, the head told me to reach in the pocket and pull out. Don't you dare. Give it to me. <laughs> don't let the left hand, which means don't let any arguments come in between you and giving. Make it simple. Just give. Make it a way of life. Don't let it be a wrestling match every week, man. You ever, in, in, in some churches, they take up an offering. And... Um, so one guy reached in his pocket and he pulled out a 20-euro note. And, oh. <laughs> reached into the other pocket, there was a fiver. Oh. So he put it in the offering plate, and as the plate went by, a guy behind him tapped him on the shoulder and, uh, and, and just handed him a 20-euro note. Oh, oh, and he put it in the offering. He said, no, that was the one that fell out of your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know why we laugh? Because we'd live there, man. <laughs> You'd all go, 
Take your breath away. Be no gatherings. Set aside. There ought to be. There ought to be. We ought to be. Right now, can I be honest with you? I don't want to talk finances of the church, but I've got to. We've been at zero for a long time. I mean, we're, we just, Tony doesn't want to talk about it because he wants to kill me, choke me, because I'm like, the Lord will supply, the Lord will supply. And it is very tight. Now, there are two reasons why that could be true. One is, it's all over, which is fine. Okay? But let me say this. Second reason is because people aren't giving. And so we have bills, we have things that are constantly, we pay for this. This is expensive. Your comfort, your heat. You want to move in the other building? <laughs> yeah, I see those hands not up. It costs money to be here. It, it, to, for me to be able to do what I do, I have to have uh, uh, John. I have to have Eric. Do you want me to fire him? I mean, what if I charged you my wages. I wouldn't do it. We got to pay our bills. You understand me? You got to set aside money so that we pay our bills. That there be no gatherings when I come. Paul was saying, I'm coming there to, to collect the money, or he's going to send Titus later on. And he says, I'll send Titus. And when he comes, I don't want last minute giving. I want it planned every week so there's enough. Amen. Amen. I shouldn't have to come and say, We need the bus fixed quick. Find some money. That'd be awful. Amen? Do you know, we'll never need a penny. We'll, we'll never need. We may want, but we'll never need any money when we're all just doing what we're supposed to do. When we all do. Say, Pastor, you tithe? I sure do. And I give. I support. I and my family support five missionaries just personally, besides the ones we support here. I like to give. I'd rather give than lose. Last thing. Be liberal. <clears throat> While you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let me tell you a story. A missionary named Paul White was known as the jungle doctor. One time he came upon, upon two African lepers with hands so eaten away that they were bandaged stumps. These two lepers wanted to help the missionaries, so they worked at sawing logs into boards for a new part of the mission station. When the job was done, each leper was paid 30 shillings. Dr. White noticed them dividing their little pile of coins into two equal parts. He asked them, why were they, why was he, why were they doing that? And they told him half was for the Lord and half was for themselves. Dr. White told them, that's too much. Even a tithe is only 10%. Just, just, Three shillings if you want to give, but not 15. And they answered, but Bawana, we love Jesus far more than 10%. Oh, my goodness. I've never known such a spirit. I've never had such a giving spirit. Liberal means freely giving, without hesitation, Giving more than expected. There in 1 Corinthians, go to back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And he, he talks about the collection for the saints, the collection. Now, you know, in most people's mind, a collection is like our, our little tin that we have here. This is what we think of as a collection. 
which means you might have, out of all the people that got scones and got tea and got coffee today, there's probably maybe three euros were put in here. That's our modern concept of a collection. But in Paul's idea and in the Christian idea in Macedonia, it was an offering. It was something liberally given. Now, the modern use of the word liberal is giving away loads of money that doesn't belong to you. Hence, politicians. We need, listen to these uh, Indian phrases, we need, Kimosabi, to give all of this money to these needs. What he means is, I need to take more of your money and give it to so-and-so. That's not liberal, that's thievery. Biblical Christians are supposed to be liberal with their money. Not stingy, not grudging, not tight-fisted, not selfish, and not penny-pinching. Let me ask you this. If somebody were to look at how much you give away of your time and your money, would they see a life like Christ's or like Judas? Let that sink in. A liberal giver gives sacrificially. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, back and forth. We're almost done, I know. Verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. How they gave. Most people wait until they have money before they give. God says give out of what you just have. There are times when giving will be a sacrifice. When your faith is tested. But you know what I found? When God tests my faith, I find it stronger. Amen. I've never known a Christian who's attempted to live for God to regret it. You know, when we sacrifice what we think we need and what we are so focused on, and we give it to the Lord, it'll reveal a heart that is more in love with the Lord than ever before. It just happens that way. It will cost you to give. but It will cost you more if you don't give. Believe me, you are robbing God and you are digging your own hole if you don't learn this lesson this morning. A liberal, a liberal Christian gives cheerfully. Look at chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. That's how you give. So let him give, not grudgingly. Oh, here we go again. Pastor's preaching on my name. All right, here's a tenor. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth what kind of a giver? Be a cheerful giver. I mean, I think the pubs have stolen the word cheers. You know, when you come into church and somebody comes in, we ought to go, cheers! <laughs> now we can't, because everybody's thinking we're going to be drinking. But, you know, coming to church and, and giving of your time and giving of your money, we ought to be cheering up, not going, oh... You've never known more joy than when you give. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. What a blessing to, the, to give to the one who gave everything for us. I think it's kind of funny. Can you imagine if I looked at Gavin? I don't know Gavin's giving. I have no idea. Can you imagine if Gavin was known as a stingy Christian? Hmm. That's the same as saying, oh, he's an honest thief. He's a truthful liar. A stingy Christian, that doesn't match, does it? 
How can we who've been saved by God's givingness, His grace, how can we not be giving ourselves? Joy in giving is a great measurement of what God has given us, of, of, of our awareness of what God has given us. He gave you your life and your breath. He gave you your family. He gave His own Son in your place on the cross. He gave eternal life itself. He gave forgiveness of every sin, past, present, or future. He's given us a mansion in heaven for all eternity. He's given us His Holy Spirit present in us forever. He'll never leave us. He's given us every gift of the Holy Spirit, and on and on and on the gift list goes. I've already got Christmas. As I told at the nursing home, Christmas came for me in June, back in 1980. When you give back to Him, you show that you are aware of all of those gifts. So, Pastor, what do I do? Glad you asked. You start with the tithe. There is no money problems in a church of people, no matter how small, when everyone's tithing. Where do you start? End of story. Secondly, you give more than the tithe. As much as you love the Lord Jesus. By the way, you're not giving to me. You're not giving to Brother Dan. You're giving to the Lord. I don't take a penny of it. It's not for me. It's for this body of believers to be able to do more. Are you with me? And you give us unto the Lord. Do it for, in His name. Do it for Him. He notices. If nobody else notices, you've given up your time. You've given up your talents and your, and your playing or your uh, uh, instrument. Or you're doing something for the Lord. The Lord notices, doesn't He? Give us unto the Lord. Make it a lifestyle. Make it a way of life, not something you do like an old Model T Ford. <laughs> Where you just start and you stop, and you start and you stop, and you start and you stop. Make it a lifestyle. How's your giving affected? How has your giving affected your everyday life? I'd like you to find out how much it'll affect everything about you. Let me read you a story or a word by C.S. Lewis, who did Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia. He basically says there are, Christian, there are things that a Christian will never have and will have to live without when they desire to practice Christ-like giving. Listen to this. He wrote a book called Mere Christianity. It is awesome. You ought to get it. He says this, If our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, and amusements is up to the standard common among those that have the same income bracket as our own, then we are probably giving too little. If I have everything that the unsaved with the same amount of income, if I have everything that they have, then probably my giving is too little. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that it is too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and have, but we cannot because our charitable expenditure, expenditure excludes them. What's he saying? The things that I'm going to have to do without because I want to give. I guarantee you, you won't lose anything. You'll have more than you could ever dream, but you'll have more of the blessings that matter. The beginning of stewardship is found over there in 2 Corinthians 8.5. It says, before, they, before the Macedonians ever gave anything, they gave themselves. That's where we start today. Would you stand with me in bound prayer? They gave themselves. It's time that we grow up and man up and start giving like Christ calls us to do. He, though he was rich, 
became poor, that he would make us rich in all things. Father, maybe this has been uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable for me because I never know how to say things to the hearts of, of people that I love, and I don't want to I don't want to wound anybody. I don't want to ever talk about something like it doesn't matter the kind of struggles they're going through. But I never want to excuse the fact that you focus like a laser on the issues of the heart. And one of the most important issues, even coming up to Christmas, is usually our money and our lack of it. The thing that ends up at the end of Christmas, at the end of December, is a whole lot of debt, a whole lot of guilt buying, a whole lot of unhappy people. And that is wrong. It is sinful. It is out of balance. It ought not to be so. So, Lord, as we get ready to go into this time of the year, head, head first, and we look at our finances, and we look at all the things we think we need to do, may we simplify it. Maybe pull back and say, whoa, wait a minute, Ledbetter. I have not put the Lord one thought into this Christmas yet. I've worried about the family I'm going to spend time with. I've worried about the money. I've worried about the gifts. I've worried about everything except the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry. Please help me to simplify. And help me to see at the end of this month to see the real joy that has been missing in my home, in my family, and even in my extended family. Help me to see that happen because we've turned into givers instead of getters. Lord, we ought to have something happen. We need a better Christmas than what we, what we are used to. All the frustrations, all the battles with family and stuff. Break all that down as we decide we're going to give. We're going to give everything, not, not just money. We're going to put you first. I pray it be a testimony to this church that we are givers, that we love to give. Not the amount, but the heart. You love a cheerful giver. Help us to have the right heart this morning. There are plenty of people in this room who may not have a heart for giving because the heart doesn't belong to you. They've never turned over their heart, their life, their sins, and their destiny to you. They can be born again today. May they realize you've given everything for them, and you've given them another chance to be saved. Let them be saved. Let them cry out to you today. Be born again. And let every Christian who is saved, let us decide, you know what? My heart belongs to you now. My goodness, why am I so stingy? In Jesus' name, amen.